Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12, continuing our study in the book of Zechariah. And this morning we looked at verses 9 and 10. Look at verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So what I wanted to look at tonight, and we looked at a couple of things in verse 10. It says, and I will pour upon the house of David. Now, who is speaking there? God. Okay, that was so weak. I'm going to have to start over and do the morning message again. Who is speaking right here? God. That's God the Father. And notice what he says in the middle of the verse. It says, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. So this is saying that God was crucified or that God would be crucified. And of course, as we said this morning, that couldn't happen unless Christmas happened, unless Jesus Christ came and was born and took upon him a body that could not happen. This piercing could not happen if Jesus Christ had not taken on flesh and bones. Look with me at Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. So this is making it very clear that Jesus Christ is going to return, and he will have been pierced, and this is the direct fulfillment of the prophecy that's made in Zechariah chapter 10. And let's go back to Zechariah, I'm sorry, Zechariah 12 and verse 10. Let's go back there and notice what it says. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him. Notice it says for him as one mourneth for his only son. So God says me and him, me and him. So you see God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit coming and bringing the spirit of grace and supplications. This is the Godhead demonstrated right in Zechariah chapter 12. So what I want to do now is, you know that there are different groups. We have, of course, in our area, The Way. How many of you have ever met someone from The Way? All right. I wish we had that video ready to go so that you all could have that song in your head. What's, what's it called? The how's it? Oh, man. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about right now? Oh, we've got we've to have it. We've got to get it ready. Maybe next week we can show it. The renewed mind. That, that's what. It, anyway, the cult, the way over in New Knoxville, they do not believe in the deity of Christ. And if you want an, an illustration of it, um, the, on our website, you can hear on a Wednesday night, someone from the way came over and tried to undermine the deity of Christ in our service. And we were able to record it. Pastor Nathan was able to clean it up, and it's on the website. Who has not listened to that? You're hearing you've not. Oh, you've got to go on the website. It says, Pastor Jim, listen, hear Pastor Jim answer a cultist. 
And I had no idea that he was going to be there. He started asking questions. So I'm interacting with him like we do on Wednesday night. And you you just need to hear it. Uh, If you haven't listened to it, you really need to. And this this idea or this teaching of the deity of Christ, let me give you the, the people that undermine it. Islam. Muslims do not believe that Jesus Christ was God. They do not believe that God could have a son. They believe that Judas was hung on the cross, not Jesus. That's what they teach. They deny the deity of Christ. The Mormons deny the deity of Christ. And this is something that's really important for us to understand right now. You know, Glenn Beck will tweet out all kinds of things and put out all kinds of things about Christmas and about God and about Jesus. But they, he believes that he is as much God as Jesus is. That's what Mormons believe. They do not believe in the deity of Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the deity of Christ. And here's one of the problems that we're up against with the Mormons. I'm sorry, with the Jehovah's Witnesses. They had all of this property in Brooklyn, this this huge facility, warehouses and print shops and all kinds of things. Well, now there's not really the need for that because of digital printing. They've just sold that for something like $4 billion dollars. That's how much money they have to put into literature. So when you're driving around and you see the Jehovah's Witnesses with their displays set up, inviting people into their heresy, there is a huge amount of money that's behind that. But you want to know what's wonderful? We know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And how many of you think God's people have more money than the JWs? Amen. It's just in your pockets. And God wants you to give it to his work to get his message out. Because I'm telling you, if the cultists are getting their information out, we need to get our information out. Amen? And so this understanding of the deity of Christ is vital for us. And I thought about this this morning when I announced tonight's message that I was going to be teaching on the deity of Christ. As I was driving in tonight, I thought of this, the word deity. I wonder how many people in the service this morning didn't know what the word deity means. You know, we use Christian speak sometimes. And what that means is that Jesus is God. That's what it means, that Jesus Christ is God. So tonight, what I want to do, just as we just did with Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 and Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, you can see that Zechariah is speaking about Jesus and the fulfillment of that is given for us in Revelation chapter 1. So let's look at some, of, some others like that. Go to Isaiah and just have your Bible ready. And we're going to go through some verses tonight. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 and verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, Lord willing, next week I'm going to talk with you about that. So there in Zechariah chapter 12, we have the return of Christ, and it gives us some information about the path that Jesus is going to take when he returns. So Lord willing, next week we'll be looking at some of that. But again, verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Look at John chapter 1. Let's see this being fulfilled. John chapter 1, and look at verse 23. 
Let's look at verse uh, 21 for the context. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as he as said the prophet Isaiah. That's a Greek pronunciation of Isaiah. So one thing that I want to mention here, that this is a little bit of a of a, a repeat. And, you know, I just said a minute ago that the passage we just read is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40. But don't forget about the principle of dual fulfillment. See, he asks, they asked John, are you Elias? Are you Elijah? Are you the one that's the forerunner of the Messiah? Are you that prophet? And he said, no. But do you know what Jesus said? If they had received Christ as the Messiah, then John would have been that. But what's interesting, it's so fascinating. Who were the two men that Jesus spoke with on the Mount of Transfiguration? Who, who were they? Who are they? Moses and Elijah. Who were they just asking John if he was? They were asking him if he was Elijah. Why were they asking him that? Because he was preparing the way for the Messiah. You see that? So do you know what this is telling us in this text? That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the one who's identified in Isaiah chapter 40 as the Lord. And when Jesus Christ returns and he comes to the earth, who is it that is one of the two witnesses in the seven-year tribulation period? Elijah. Elijah. And what is he doing? He's making the way straight for the Lord. So don't forget that principle of dual fulfillment, principle of partial fulfillment and the principle of dual fulfillment. And we see that at work right here. So look at chapter three, John chapter three. And look at verse 28. Verse 27 for the context, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He was sent before Christ. He is Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he is God. Look at Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45 and verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. All right? So this is God speaking. And we know that. Look at verse 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And, of course, we have to say this. Everyone is going to bow. It would be better to do it willingly now. It would be better. Look at Philippians chapter 2. 
Was God speaking there? Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is the fulfillment of the Isaiah chapter 45. It's God saying every knee shall bow, and here God has highly exalted the Son, and said every knee shall bow before Him, and every tongue can sh shall confess that he is Lord. And do you know what that's going to do? That's going to glorify the Father. It's, it's an awesome thing. Look at uh, Romans chapter 14. And verse 11. For it is written, as I live, saith who? The Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. How about that? Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Who's that speaking of? Jesus in Philippians 2. And here this direct quote is saying that that is God. Jesus Christ is God. Go to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah 44, look at verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth, break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. So this is when Jesus Christ comes and forgives the sins of Israel, and they call him his Lord. Look at verse 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. So notice what it says. He says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Look at John chapter 1. He said, by myself. Is that what the text said? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. <clears throat> All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, this is the direct fulfillment, the saying that Jesus Christ is the one who created everything, and according to the book of Isaiah, that's God. He did it by himself. 
Amen? Jesus Christ is God. Vital that we understand that. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Start reading in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So he saw the Lord, Isaiah saw the Lord. And above it, talking about the throne, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So obviously this is Isaiah seeing the Lord on his throne. Now look at John Chapter 12. Look at verse 37. John 12 and verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Elias the prophet might, I'm sorry, of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake. Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted and should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. So, of course, this is Isaiah quoting, I'm sorry, this is John quoting Isaiah chapter 53, which is the second half of the book, and Isaiah chapter 6. And both of these passages are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something else, uh, if you've been in the Bible study on Wednesday nights, that's important about this section. People who deny that Isaiah actually wrote the whole book of Isaiah, what they'll say is if you go to a seminary, they might tell you that the first half was written by Isaiah and the second half was written by Deutero Isaiah or someone claiming to be Isaiah. And they say that because the form of the literature changed, that one is more mature than the other. Now, the simple answer is that Isaiah got older. Because it covers a broad period of time. The other thing is those are the words that God gave him to write. Amen. And the second thing is that Jesus Christ right here says that Isaiah wrote both of them. So who are you going to believe? The commentator, the person in the seminary or cemetery or Jesus Christ? My dad always called them cemeteries because that's where a young man's faith went to die. Yeah, it's it's amazing what happens. So anyway, don't get me distracted now. Go to Isaiah chapter 8. Look at verse 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself 
and let him be your fear and let him be your dread for he and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem interesting look at first peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, speaking about Christ, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So that passage in Isaiah chapter 8 is a direct prophecy of the Jesus of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Isaiah chapter 42. Look at verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I we're not going to turn to this passage right now. We will later. But notice what it says. I am the Lord. That is my name. What does the Bible tell us to do in Romans 3.23? I'm sorry, Romans 10.13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord who? Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is God, folks. He is God. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Look at John chapter 17. And verse 5. Now remember what it said in our uh, Isaiah passage. My glory... Will I not share with another? Is that what the Bible said? Look at what it says here. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had. What are those next two words? With thee before the world was. He doesn't share it. It is confined in the Godhead. And Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. Look at... Um, Let's see. Go to John. Or no, go to Isaiah chapter 60. It's funny. Y'all know I write cross-references in my Bible. Right there, I've got cross-references to about eight, eight different sermons. And I, I almost sent you. We almost went. We almost drove straight into a different sermon tonight, which might have been fun. All right. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 19. And let me just tell you, folks, I would so recommend that you do what I just said, not have six sermons in your Bible, but use your cross-references. Write them in your Bible. If you look at just about any page on my Bible, there's a cross-reference to something. So right here, it says deity, verse 19, 
And then the next place I would go to talk to someone about the deity of Jesus Christ. How many of you would have a hard time remembering all of the verses that we've looked at tonight already? Can you write them in the margin of your Bible? Be ready to talk to somebody about who Jesus Christ is. I just had somebody, um, I was in Oklahoma. Um, when was I in Oklahoma? October, maybe, preaching there. And in the hotel, there was a restaurant which had amazing coffee. So it was Sunday morning. It was early, 6.30, something like that. I'm in there eating, reading, getting ready to preach, drinking coffee. And it's just me and the waiter. We're the only people. There might have been somebody in the kitchen, but in the restaurant, it was just us two. Nice young man. I think he was a student at the University of Tulsa, which was a block or two from where I was. And so we started talking about the Lord. And I asked him if he was a Christian. And it's fun, the progression of words that you can use with folks. Are you a Christian? And he said, yes. That's, that's a good start, right? But then in our conversation, I said, now, have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he said, well, what do you mean? Now, was he a Christian? So remember, when we do our evangelism, you ask them the question. In your mind, you're, you're saying either saved or lost. And so right there, it's lost. And I, I told him what I mean. And he said, well, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. I said, who told you that? And he, was at, he, he went to an Episcopal church with a liberal pastor, the sodomite pastor. It would be good for that sodomite pastor if Jesus wasn't God. It's really bad for him that he is. And so I just started taking him through scriptures about the deity of Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? And other people came in. I couldn't finish the conversation. But when he, the, last time I, I, the last thing I was able to say to him was, you need to think about what we've been saying because that's the Savior that you're going to stand before someday. And he did claim to be God. And you need to know that and surrender to him as your Savior. That was my, the last thing I was able to say. Those weren't the exact words, but it was something like that. Folks, you need to have in your Bible um, cross-references. Now, of course, I was able to do some of that stuff from my memory, and I ought to be able to. It's my job, right? I'm just telling you, you need to have th some things written in your Bible. You need to keep a Bible with you. You need to have things marked on your, your Bible app so that you can take somebody to that and just show them. If someone ever tells you Jesus never claimed to be God... You need to be able to go to the Bible and show them. Well, the Bible claims that he's God. And then I'll show you some other things here as we go. Okay, so now Isaiah chapter 60 and look at verse 19. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God, thy glory. Isn't that a great verse? You know, someday we're not going to need the sun, not going to need the moon. We're going to have Jesus, and he's going to be the light. So now look at Luke chapter 2.
verse 29. Now, Lord, lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For, remember, this is Simeon. He has seen Jesus. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Look at what it says in verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Isn't that good? Jesus Christ is the light. And see that right there, that should be the wave. You know, that should be the amen. That should be the jumping, jumping up and down touchdown. Are y'all with me? Can you imagine if you're at a ball game and this is Ohio State, Wisconsin, and we're trying to get to the championship and we score that touchdown to finally go ahead 24-17 or whatever it is, and it looks like this. Now, I know the Bible says let all things be done decently and in order. We don't need you jumping up and down and high-fiving during the sermon. But maybe an amen would be nice. Are you all with me? How many of you are with me on that? So let's read this verse again, and let's think about what it says. Verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. You know that's us. And the glory of thy people Israel. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, Look at Psalm 102. Verse 24. I know the problem. It's too warm in here. I know y'all take that as a threat. Look at verse 24. And I said, so Psalm 102, verse 24. And I said, oh my God. Take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no End. Boy, that's a great verse about God, isn't it? Great passage. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. So I was flying to Oklahoma, of all places, several years ago. And a couple of the weirdest things that ever happened to me. I got on an airplane once, sitting next to this guy. And uh, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, that's cool. My husband's a pastor. Things you never expect to hear, right? And another time I was flying, guy sitting next to me, have my Bible out, I'm studying, getting ready to preach, and we're talking. He sees I have my Bible out. And uh, he says, what do you do? And I told him I'm a pastor. I'm going to Oklahoma to speak. He said, me too. I'm going there to do a training. And I said, really, what do you do? And he said, I am one of the trainers for the way. Isn't it fun when God lets you do this stuff? <laughs> it's like when I played golf with Peter Dosick. I'll have to tell you all about that sometime. But um, he sa- I started asking him. I said, now, you guys don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, right? 
And he said, well, no, he never claimed to be God. I took him to this passage right here. So look at this. Hebrews. Now, remember the passage we just read about God describing him. All right. So look at verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And this man had made this statement. The Bible never actually says that Jesus Christ is God. And I showed him this. So he took my Bible. And this is exactly what he did. Just like that. So he's the trainer for the way, teaching people that Jesus Christ is not God. And if you go to their website, that's the first thing that's on their website. And he'd never seen this verse. And I just said, what are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. What you need to do is repent because you're lying to people about Jesus Christ. That was the beginning of the flight. It was awesome. I was playing golf. We're on vacation somewhere. I'm playing golf, and I uh, end up next to a playing golf. You know, they pair you with people sometimes. And so I'm playing with this older gentleman, and I asked, he asked me what I do for a living, and I told him. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm a retired Methodist pastor. I said, that's awesome. He's getting ready to tee off. I said, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about your church ordaining homosexuals? <laughs> he played terrible. It was awesome. But... Well, I don't know that everyone believes that and all, all that kind of junk. You know, aren't you glad we don't have to belong to any association that, that promotes perversity or undermines the word of God? Isn't that awesome? Uh, so I was playing with Peter Dosick out here at Shelby Oaks. And I just start, you know, I just ask questions and it's so fun. I, I just asked him, I said, so, so. Do you believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved? Oh, well, no, 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 no. We, we don't believe that. And I said, well, that's funny because your wife preached that on television last week. Do you disagree with your wife? Uh, well, I, um, well I, don't, you know, I, I don't like to talk about those things on the golf course. And I said, oh, I do. Let's keep going. I'm just telling you, it's wonderful to be able to stand on the clear teaching of the Word of God. We don't have to shy away from it. If I'm on the golf course and somebody asks me something about the Bible, I am more than happy. It's one of my favorite things to do is to talk about the Word of God. And it's very tough for them to ask a gotcha question when you just believe what it says. Amen? And I love it that we have the truth of the Word of God. Now, I want you to notice some other things that this text says. Look at the next verse. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. We could go on. There are many more, but that's a good uh, place for us to just stop 
and contemplate who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is God and he is the son of God. The Holy Spirit is God and the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God and the spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. Are they two different people? No, because God is one. He can be the spirit of God and he can be the spirit of Christ because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are co-eternal, co-equal, and co-existent. Let's finish with this. Go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. Before we read this verse, when you, when you get that verse, just, just hold it and, and look at me for a second. We as believers, now, I don't want you to talk to other believers the way I talk to those preachers. Jesus dealt with people, just normal people. We preachers are not normal. He, he preached with normal, he, he spoke with normal people a lot differently than he spoke with religious leaders. When I'm dealing with someone who claims to be a preacher of God's word, I'm just telling you, if they're messing up, I'm going to punch them in the face with the word of God. I'm not going to punch them in the face. I'm going to use the Bible. I'm not going to hit them with my Bible either. I'm going to just quote scripture. Got to watch out for Simon. He's me. So Dalton Robertson was in um, Chicago. This is a couple of years ago. And there's a breakfast place that we like to go to. And there's kind of a long bank and then the, uh, a seat and then the different tables. And so he was sitting at one small table. There's a guy sitting next to him at another small table. And they just strike up a conversation. And all Dalton has to do is order. And people know he's not from Chicago, right? That strong Alabama accent. So it, it really does open up conversations. And so the guy asks him, what do you do for a living? And he said, uh, I'm a preacher. And the guy kind of stiffened because he's a, a gay Jew. And they, they start having a conversation. And so Dalton's just having a real nice conversation with this guy. And the man was really surprised how kind Dalton was to him, which opened up more conversation. And all, remember, the world thinks we hate people like that. Do we hate them? No. And so this, this man, I think he's some kind of cardiologist or something. And so they're just chatting. And the guy is shocked at the kindness. And all of a sudden he just opens up about how he was abused as a child. He was raised Orthodox Jew, doesn't believe those things anymore. And not happy, obviously, right? They're having a conversation, a very good conversation. And the, the guy finally says to him, so here I am. I'm a 60-year-old gay Jew. What am I supposed to do? What would you say? You know what Dalt said? Repent. So listen, very kind conversation, honest question, and an answer that maybe some of us, it would be, I'm just telling you, I don't know that I would have at that time, now I would because I heard what Dalt said and I would steal what he said. But how many of us would have been ready to give that kind of an answer? And the man did not repent right there, but who knows what God's done with that? 
Because what is the answer for someone like that? Repent. And do you know what Jesus is going to do? Love and forgive. And do you know what that man would be? My brother in Christ, an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. There's no second-class citizens in the family of God and in the church. Folks, when we're dealing with things like the deity of Christ and talking to people, there's no reason to soft-soap it. If they're wrong, they need to know what's going on. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses at my door sometime this year. And I just started challenging them. And and remember, if they ever come to your door, it's the trainee that you're talking to. The person standing back is the trainer. And so I always look at them and I, I would say this. So Isaiah, you're the trainee. Simon, the evil one, is the trainer. Did he tell you that hell doesn't exist? Jesus said it does. Well, it's not real fire. Jesus said where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. He said it three times. That's the highest level of repetition in the Bible. Did you know that he's lying to you? Did you know that? And did you know that it, whether or not you, go, you believe in hell, that's where you're going? Because you do not believe in Jesus Christ. And the lady, the trainer, it's time for us to go. Oh, yeah, it's time for you to go. Because, listen, listen to your trainer. Time to go. Why is it time for her to go? Because she can't answer my questions. Tonight, when you're lying in your bed, you need to remember, she could not answer those questions. And you are on your way to hell. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you and doesn't want you to go there. And he is God, regardless of what this person is telling you. Folks, we need to have the boldness to confront these people and to know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. For all of the stuff that goes on at Christmas time, all the blasphemy that takes place in cartoons and in music, we need to know who Jesus Christ is and the one who we worship. That's the one that's coming back. And they're going to look upon me, the Bible says. Whom they have pierced. And they'll mourn for him as one mourneth for his own son. Amen? We need to believe in Jesus Christ. He is God. He is coming back. And boy, we need to be right with God. We need to know that we're saved before that happens. And our loved ones need to know who Jesus Christ is before then. Amen? They just need to know. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to study it. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself as God, that we don't have to wander in darkness.